Epic Turn is a podcast about the hobby gaming industry, what we love and hate about it, how it's evolving and changing, and other things that as gamers we're passionate about. Your hosts are Brian McLemore and Tim Aldridge. Welcome as we take our next Epic Turn. I think it's time to continue our discussion from last episode. Yeah, which originally we said we weren't going to do. However, however, yeah. After much discussion, we decided that we might as well just finish it out as, you know, two episodes. Yep. Back to back. Uh, Mm. Mainly because uh, we really don't want to space them out because we are already on the train of thought. Yep. And so we're just going to go ahead and finish with High Magic and end this series. Also, I, I don't think our fans really liked us talking around in circles last time, so we're going to do our best to avoid that. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if we really talked in circles too much. Um, uh, we did kind of repeat because I spent, uh, you know, last time we talked about magic systems mainly targeting low magic, and I spent about 20, 30 minutes trying to figure out what it was you actually liked about low magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still not sure I really know. Um <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did, uh, especially when listening back as I was editing, I really got uh, some more thoughts formulated about my opinion on it. And I'm going to get to those later in the episode, I think. But it, it did make me want to kind of go ahead and, and, and round out the discussion. Um, I don't anticipate this being as long of an episode. Yes, uh, we're not going to ramble as much. <laughs> uh, I don't make any promises about that. I am sleep deprived and slightly delirious at the moment. The perfect... The perfect state to be able to talk about a high a high magic campaign. Yeah, right. Okay. So uh, I guess starting off the discussion. Uh, well, before we start off that discussion, do we have any other follow up? Uh, we talked about Aloy last time. Yeah, which his Kickstarter is going amazing. Fully funded. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's close to two hundred percent. Almost. So more stretch goals. Um, mm-hmm. The, the strange part is, is that with the hectic week this week, I haven't got to really do my usual sit down and get a bunch of follow up ready. Yeah, so me either. I'm, I'm going to go with no. So next episode is going to be epic turn follow up galore. Yes, the follow up edition. Yeah, so I don't think I really have any uh, any big follow up. Uh, but you know, congratulations to Aloy and all the other great Kickstarters that are started up that I haven't had a chance to look at, and hopefully will still be running by the time we get to next week's episode. We really hope so. We're sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay. So we talked about low magic. Let's, ta- let's start off by defining high magic. Let's see. I was going to say that and say, Brian, what is high magic? Okay. For you. Well, this is, this is like your favorite setting from what you and I usually talk about. So okay. we're going we're gonna to turn the tables <laughs> and I'm going to say, so Brian, what is high magic? All Tell right. Tell me a story. Tell you a story. Well, you see, Timmy. Now, um, okay, the thing about magic and high magic versus low magic, and when I really you know came to uh, a succinct way of saying it, succinct way of saying it was just that it all refers to the availability and uh, and the accessibility more so of magic in your world. Um, as we discussed, you can have a low magic world with high magic zones inside of it, you know, that, uh, that the ex that when you're inside that area, you're, you're, you may be in a low magic overall, but in that, in that one spot, it's really high magic. So I don't even know if, uh, you know, in many campaigns, I think you're going to find the scenarios where just spots are, are more, are, are higher or lower than others. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it just refers to a, a, a part of the uh, a part of the world or a world as, as a whole 
that magic and the higher forms of it are extremely accessible. That's that's how I always pictured it as well. I always pictured high magic being actually a really good example was when Wizards published Eberron, which was a very pulp fiction mixed with D and D. I miss that one. Oh, okay, really good. Uh, so, like, one of the things is like a, a I missed every I missed everything Wizards did with D and D after about three oh. So. Okay. Well, they did a – so it was a lot of um, mix in terms of um, – like you had like rail cars run by lightning elementals and mm-hmm. you had the uh, – the, uh, what was it called? The artifice who could just craft all these wands, do all these – have you know the ability to – you know the wands have high-level spells in them. Right. So it was where magic was readily available. and mm-hmm. Kind of the way technology is in the real world. Right. Or at least um, you know for those of us in the US and other first world countries I guess. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that's how I always pictured um, how I always pictured uh, a very high magic, uh, you know, setting. I, mm-hmm. The same way, you know, if you want to look back at a lot of high fantasy books like Dragonlance, um, Mage. Um, I forgot what the book series is called, but it's by Miller. Uh, Mage, Mage, uh, Mage the Awakening. Not Mage the Awakening. Yeah, uh, uh, that's one of the books in it, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, where the whole city, like everybody can snap their fingers and light candles, things like that. Right, but where, I, I don't know if I'd call it a place where everyone can do cantrips a high magic world. But that's readily available, though. Everybody knows how to do it. Yeah, but everybody knows how to turn on a light switch. I mean, that's mm-hmm. effectively the same thing. Touche. Um, you know, so I, I think for it to be truly high magic, you have to have access to high powered magic too. See, I don't know. I, I would consider like any society that is primarily run run around. Sorry, is based on or you know, this society itself is nothing but magic. I consider the very high magic. I get your point where everybody can turn on a light switch, but where are things like you know, warriors or another society where it's not, that whole society mm-hmm. is a very high magic society. Yeah, no, I, I get where you're coming from. Now, if, if society itself runs on engines based on magic, I mean, that's a little bit different story. I mean, that's, you had enough artificers around of some sort that were able to um, solidify that power into something available to everybody, whether it was, uh, whether they were magical or not. So in that aspect, yeah, I would say that is high magic. But I'm just talking about, say, it's still a low, you know, you don't have that level of um, of crafting available, mm-hmm. but you still have um, most, many, if not most people, can do, you know, cantrips and whatever, or sirens or however. Wow, I still don't know why they changed the name of that, but um, you know, I, I wouldn't call that a high magic world. Okay, I mean, I I, I think your point is very valid. Yeah, I mean, in fact, we use that as a description of what could be considered to be a low magic world in uh, in last week's episode. That's true, we did. Yeah, but so we got we got our grounds for high magic established. Mm-hmm. Yeah, common common accessibility are benefiting from uh, high 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 powered magic, or just the availability of high powered magic in general. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, even if you have one guy in the city that can cast, we're going to use D and D terms here. A ninth level spell. Hmm. You're uh, probably resting in some high magic territory. I'm, I'm not saying you are. I'm yeah, saying there's a good chance. Well, one guy. I don't know if I'd say it'd go that far, but you know, if it's uh, if it's easy to go buy a ninth level spell if you have enough money, mm-hmm. then probably are. 
But just because there's that one guy that you know is in a is in a city or a region that can do it, you still could be in a normal leveled magic campaign, and there, you just happen to be in the part with the uh, with the crazy old man that can cast uh, you know wish. Or you're dealing with a whole batch of Mary Sue there. Eh, well, Mary Sue's a whole other episode. Of course. Yeah. Spoiler, anyway. Superman, Ultimate Mary Sue. Anyway. <laughs> Sephiroth. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to play the game. Mm, anyway, no. So. <clears throat> dressing. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> no, so we've established time magic. So let's. Let's break down the pros and the cons of high magic. Like, what what do you feel you a campaign benefits from by having um, being very high level in terms of magic? Well, you know, in, in some ways, um, I don't know if it really does. Honestly, um, you know, high magic in and of itself has a lot of the same problems that, in my opinion, low magic does. Um, because if you slant the power scale too far in any one direction, you have to you have to be very careful about how you slant or how you grow the other characters in response, right? So if you allow all the magic casters to be more powerful than they should be, because magic is common, quote unquote, right? Then um, you run a risk of uh, you run a risk of out unbalancing the gameplay, uh, whether from an RP point of view or from a um, or from just the actual power level point of view. Um, I would say that probably one, one of the best ways I could see of doing it just off the top of my head would be to have it where, you know, magic is really common. You have tons of high-level casters alive, but that's because everyone just lives longer. So at the age point that your party is at, you know, you uh, they're, they're still going to take hundreds of years to the point where they can become that powerful. But there is like this whole elder society of really powerful casters. You know, I, I think that might be pretty cool. So you're saying almost like the the White Council of uh, the Dress and Verse, if you know, yeah, as an example, yeah, 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 kind of, you know, um, you know, people that have been around for hundreds or thousands of years that um, you know wield power extremely effectively, but you know, it's it takes time to to get there, so you aren't going to unbalance the gameplay for the people. But what I worry about is that a lot of a lot of uh, people can end up inadvertently unbalancing the world in favor or to the detriment to the of the casters. Um, you know, because the if the if, if the if the level of power gets too out of balance, either it's exactly what you were talking about how they how the casters could fade away in a high magic world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could definitely see that happen, or they could stand out and being and end up being too powerful, depending on depending on the specifics of how it was of how it was done. Okay. See, that's the one of my biggest <clears throat> cons for high magic. For me, I know we're talking about pros, and um, I'll get back to. I guess I'll get back to my pro list in a second. <laughs> well, because I it's mean, a pro slash con section. Yeah, because you said some good, then you said some bad. So um, you I say some go, good, you say never. Mind. Yeah, no, I think I'm going to go good bad. Uh, I mean bad good. Bad good. Um, so one of my problems I have with very high magic campaigns is I, I start having problems, and this is, I guess, my own ability as a GM. Um, I guess mostly it's in fantasy, but I have a problem with writing, you know, scenarios for very high, high magic campaigns. And now is that, is that high magic or high powered you're worried about? Both. I've ran, I've ran a very high magic, low level game. Mm-hmm. 
where, you know, plus ones are very common, plus twos are very common, mm-hmm. you know, rings of protection, things like that. So the players had the ability to get, you know, they were able to essentially armor up, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I was throwing so much at them just to do damage or so much at them to where, or like I had a really good story idea in mind and either when they got to it, they just overpowered it. Mm-hmm. And I felt that there was no real sense of danger to the players. And they were just, you know, it's like we, they were essessentially playing Diablo where there's like, ah, I can kill everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I've also, but I've also had that circumstance where, I have felt like all I'm doing is looking in the monster manual mm-hmm. and saying, oh, this is, you know, EL2. Hmm, let's do four of these. And then the players just feel so overwhelmed because I'm just throwing like a huge combat at them and yeah. it doesn't balance out. So that, I mean, that's one of my biggest, I guess, complaints with running yeah. very high magic is I don't see a good balance. Well, and that's, I, I, again, it sounds like, like you're really equating high magic with high powered. You know. But I'm not because I'm, I'm also talking about running it as a very low-powered game. Well, but if they have accessibility to the magic items, you're, you're raising the power level of the characters way past their uh, challenge level. No, that's true. You know, that's I mean, fair. the challenge levels inside the Pathfinder books, which are like, again, I'm, I'm immersed in the Pathfinder books right now because that's what I'm, that's what I'm, I'm running. But, um, you know, they, they anticipate a certain level of magical progression. Uh, right. a, a character at X level should have so much gold. And that gold should allow them to buy, you know, magic items based on accessibility. Right. Um, so if you lower the cost of the magic items, or you make them too, or you make uh, more uh, accessible, or if you give them more gold than that for whatever reason, it's uh-huh. going to uh, it's going to raise the power level. Like I'm going to have a little bit of that with you guys because you know you have a you you have more than the appropriate amount of gold for your level, uh-huh. and you have. Um, and you know, the, this, you're living in a trading town. You have access to a higher, a larger pool of magical items than you might have had if you had been living in the sticks. Right. So you know, you guys might all be level six, but your 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 average level for a challenge rating, I'm figuring, is somewhere between a seven and an eight. Um, you know, and that's just based on the fact that you have more magic gear, you have more money available, and a lot of you guys are stuck with these huge stockpiles of gold because I did cap uh, what you, you know, what you can have access to. Yay! Yeah. I have a brewery that gives me money. Yeah, yeah until yeah. It, until it burns down the first session. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, but no, um, yeah. So I, it really sounds like that you're talking more about you have a problem with high power, which you know the topics are inextricably. In, in Related. I was gonna say, uh, I think I think you know, high magic does kind of correlate to high power in a lot of ways. Yeah, and and like I said, I think the main way I could see running in a really high magic world where it is common and it is powerful is by running it as low power mm-hmm. for for that world, and that might mean you're at an average power level or like you know the correct power level according to the books, but you would still you would need to scale the environment around you without giving you access to it. Right. And uh, and I mean, that I, and that I could be a challenge point. from a, a storytelling point of view, but mm-hmm. that could be a pretty interesting world to live in. I, I I think I would give it a try as a player. I don't know if I could do it as a GM though. It's it's just not my style of GMing. So yeah. that's yeah. what it really comes down to. Well, you know, it sounds like from our discussion last time, you're more about trying to create these magic moments in the story. Mm-hmm. You know uh, that you know you feel like that you're you're giving the uh, the characters a moment to shine. 
Um, right. Yeah. I like I like character development. That's my main storytelling goal. Is right. always character development. But anyway, we're <laughs> we're starting to get back off topic here. This is not, this is not my GMing skills. Oh well, it is because it's all interrelated. All interwoven. It's interrelated. <laughs> um, Timmy will have a class later. Um, but you know, I, I really think it's it, it is a valid point to bring up because the power level is so uh, is is such a factor on both ends of this. Oh, uh, agreed. And which is kind of funny because we said we would talk about power levels on a whole other episode. And we end up talking about it so inter, like you said, interwoven between mm-hmm. everything. So, and you know, yeah, we, we think- might we might end up wrapping up the magic discussion and just going more into power level here in a minute. Because <laughs> honestly, I don't know if I have that much more to say about high power. Uh, you um, mean high magic? Well, yeah, high magic because yeah. um, you know there's really not much to say about it. Um, I, I think I've I can only think of this one scenario where it even really works well for me. As a storyteller or a player, because if you have too high of a magic, you're going to end up, you know, and it's accessible, you're going to end up screwing up the power level. And it only really works well, I think, in games like Mage, where everybody has access to that. Right. Everybody has access, and there is a really well-defined checks and balances. Right. But magic, okay, now here's something kind of funny. We're using Mage as an example in a high power, in a high magic game. Because let's face it, it is. Everybody in every PC in World of Darkness, whether you're mage, changeling, geist, whatever, you're all a supernatural creature that has a lot of power and a lot of and access to a lot of magical type skills. With right. exception, I guess, of Hunter, right? Uh, well, Hunter has a different kind of skill. It's a bunch of humans that are able to anyway. Yeah. yeah I mean they they are not um, It's not magic, not a, but yeah, yeah, they do not have a supernatural template applied to them. Yeah. So, you know, I mean that whole world, you know, in the, in these small pockets of their sanctums and everything, magic runs rampant and it right. is extremely high powered. But as a world outside of it, they are anomalies and you know, the world itself is extremely low magic. Um and that kind of takes me back to some of the follow-up I had about low magic is I've come to the conclusion that it doesn't work. Um, and, and really, it, it, it probably should be avoided under most circumstances. Do um, you want to take a second to interject on me here or do you want me to explain what I mean? I'm going to let you explain. I'm, I'm keeping quiet until I uh, have a, a good counterpoint. Okay, okay. So here are the ways I think low magic can work as a game world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, much like I think high magic can work as a game world if you keep the power base relative to you know you have to keep the power base under control e- even if you're in a high magic world uh, or you know um, and just the ceiling for your power is just a lot higher I guess in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, the scenarios I think low magic worlds and uh, and low power worlds like that work is if um, in a scenario where a everybody is um, Everybody in the party is in, is not that special, and that would be a, like Estrin or um, uh, you know ones like that where you don't have a, a caster that's going to stand out. Everybody is more or less on the same footing. They're all people. They all have you know they don't have supernatural powers. They maybe have access to technology, but everyone has access to that kind of technology. It's not special, right? Mm-hmm. So you avoid the this guy is the chosen one kind of moments, right? Yeah, you because know, let's face it, that's a very hard storyline to run off, pull off in a group uh, is, hey, this this PC is the chosen one. You can have this NPC as the chosen one, but that's a different story, right? Um, right. So, you know, you, I think as a general rule, 
players and DMs should avoid those chosen one moments. And to do that, you have to make sure, like, um, if you were running, if you're running Star Wars post Episode Three, right? Mm-hmm. I honestly don't even think you should have a Jedi in the party because that person is going to uh, overpower the group in some way, form, or fashion. You know, either because of the scenarios he forces the party into by existing, you know, oh, well, you know, the Imperials show up and you're bounty hunted, you're, you know, as a group now because this one guy happened to be traveling with you. Um, of course, you may get bounty hunted for something else, right? But um, well, when you when you make off with a bunch of stuff, yes, usually yeah, yeah. you may or may, wait, no, if you make off with a bunch of stuff and don't pay for it, yeah, yeah you're probably getting bounty hunted. Yeah, but that's, that's a different thing. That's the yes. group as a whole acting as a unit, not – you getting singled out as a group because Bob happens to be playing a Jedi and he's a, and he's an inherently a special character. Right. Okay. Um, and the same thing would go in a Pathfinder game in which there was no magic. If that one guy was playing a sorcerer, he would be special mm-hmm. in some amazingly effed up way. Right. You know, um, I think Dark Sun did it pretty well with how their made you know, how their casters were persecuted. Uh, you know, and but you still could have gotten in that scenario in that game as well, uh, where all of a sudden the whole group is going to be singled out and hunted down by a mage king because that one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think those type of scenarios are are in most cases to be avoided. I'm not saying you couldn't run a game where that was a fun plot hook, but it was one of those things where the party kind of needs to all be in on it up front. Okay, you know, I mean, feel free to disagree. Well, I kind of, I I guess I would have to disagree with you Um, because sometimes, you know, I've I've ran the Star Wars game with where you had a force sensitive character, so a special character, and obviously they want to eventually develop into the point where they are a full fledged Jedi or Mm -hmm. well, path of Sith. Hold on, hold on, my good sir. Hold on, my good sir. (laughs) Um, And what you know, in those kind of cases where. Um, and again, this it's funny because when we talk about one thing, we're going to interweave a bunch of stuff is that those those moments where if you do run the low magic game where you have that one person that is special, as you put it, um, they tend to sometimes you want the person who's doing that role to become that party leader, to become that that that's that driving force for the team. Um, so I think you totally can do it. I think it does work. Um, I think it does work even when you do something like all, you know, <clears throat> all magic is cut from the world except divine. So you have a cleric in the group, but, you know, your wizard and your um, your sorcerers, they don't have the abilities. They Or they might be, you know, um, in a sense, uh, depowered, maybe not fully, but, you know, like I had talked about where the mm. gods were drinking and siphoning out the mana yeah. of the world where they were slowly depowered is that uh, you were, you know, it was in that reverse order where we went from high to low. Mm-hmm. When they got to low, they, they weren't special anymore, but they still packed a wall up because they, they were, they figured things out without having to use it. I think the big thing why I think low magic works more so than anything else is it makes the players think a lot more than relying on, Oh, well, we know you're going to drop a fireball. We know you're going to do this. We know you have time stop. And we have all these magic items, which we're just going to be fine, guys. So don't worry. Don't worry. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Is right. I think low but, magic gives us more a sense mm, of endangerment over okay. a high magic game. Well, and so the scenarios you brought up, though, are not the same scenarios I was talking about. I know. I kind of I kind of went a little bit off tangent. Sorry. Yeah. Because so, 
Yeah, well, and you know, well, and we can get back to that for sure. But yeah, yeah. you know, in the scenario you're talking about, the Force sensitive guy, he's not a Jedi. In in Star Wars, there are there are there are tons of Force sensitive people. Yeah, Force sensitive, Force adepts. Right? Yeah, that all. I mean, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but that basically means you're just really good at whatever you do. Well, it means you have the ability to touch the force, be it either as a actual right. understanding or as a religious experience. Or- right, but as a but as a character, you know, you're still effectively a, a smuggler type character, but you are just really good at it. Um, it depends on what system. If you're talking, uh, typically the characters who are force sensitive actually could use force, could you know start touching mm-hmm. things like force push, force pull, um, could do like minor heels. So no, you weren't just that smuggler anymore. Okay. You really so, so were. this, so this was like, sorry, I'm relating back to the card game now, but that was like yeah. a, a five then yeah. is what you're talking about. Yeah. Where, I mean, this, this you know, is, like I mean, Leia, she was force special. sensitive and like as a three, I think in the, in the, in the uh, first trilogy. Mm-hmm. But, um, okay. So anyway, but you know, even those, I would be hesitant to run in a game. I mean, it could work. Like I said, it absolutely can work, but I don't know if I would really want to have that. Cause that guy is going to get singled out. Um, if you're trying to play it anywhere, anything resembling plausible, right? I, I'd see, but I don't necessarily agree with you. Again, I think this comes down to more of a GM style and a story. It, like, that's what it comes down to is like, how do you GM and how do you handle that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's really what we're talking about is, mm-hmm. you know, as a storyteller, as a player, you know, these are things that you need to be aware of if you decide to go down these paths because they are treacherous paths. Mm-hmm. Um, and the so, other, and the other scenario you brought up though, what was that one again? Uh, which one? The after you, after uh, your force sensitive guy. Uh, the one where the man is draining backwards. Right, but oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. You're talking about power. yeah. You were talking about that. You also mentioned if uh, all arcane magic was cut off, or if all divine, all divine yeah, magic yeah, was cut well, off. And, yeah, and all you have is a divine. Right, just, right. Well, but so if all arcane magic is cut off, those clerics are still everywhere. Assuming clerical magic does you know works normally. What I'm talking about is more along the lines of if all clerical magic was cut off and then you have one guy who has found a way to talk to the gods. Oh, okay. Okay. You know. I mean, yeah, but the, I mean that, that I don't consider that I I guess you could say that's low magic in some regards. It's uh, the same way low magic is re- <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, I know. I, I, I guess I guess it, I, I guess what I'm really doing is I'm cautioning any storytellers or any players of to be careful in a low magic world of becoming a chosen one type character. Yeah, you know, um, whether you're a mage that's discovered, you know, or you're the only mage in a, you know, a million mile radius, or if you're the only cleric that's figured out how to cast heal, um, you know, those are, those are the kind of scenarios that would have you turning into a God among men. And that's not a storyline that I think is good in, in diverse, especially diverse groups, but in, in most groups. Now, don't get me wrong. You could play a chosen one t- style campaign, but everybody kind of needs to buy into it and agree on it. And you have to f- kind of figure out a way that doesn't offend anybody to pick the chosen one, right? Well, not only that, but you have to also balance out to where all the players, even though let's say Willie is this, you know, is going to become the first cleric to talk to a god again. Yeah. So he's he is now a god amongst men. Like even druids are jealous of. Him. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure that the other, let's just say we have a party of five, each of the five becomes something. I mean, like the rogue becomes head of a rogue's guild or your warrior like founds the start of what would become the ultimate gladiator like show in combat. Is You have to make sure you still give those players those same epic moments as this chosen one. Yeah, and again, I just think it's incredibly hard to pull off as a, as a – 
as a storyteller or as a and, – and I think it may be harder to have fun as a group mm-hmm. when you're doing those kind of scenarios. Um, you know, and I guess that's just my cautionary tale. Uh, the other way – and going back, I, this was this was all underneath my A heading of, of scenarios. I think low magic works, right? Mm-hmm. The B is where everyone has access to the same power base but you're persecuted or hunted. And, and mage again yeah. is a great example of that, right? You know, um, really, world of darkness in general. It's like you know, if you ever get found out, you are exceptional in the world, but you're probably going to get burned to the stake. <laughs> Depending <laughs> on what you are, but yes. Yeah, well, unless you are a creature immune to fire, burning to the stake generally works. <laughs> or, or you know, most most things are powerless without their heads. Yes, most things. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so those are the those are like the two major scenarios I think it really works where, you know, everyone is equally special and uh and you know, but there is world factors keeping you in check. Or everyone is, or or no one is the special one and um and you know, you're a group of fighters and rogues and bards, you know, out there trying to make ends meet. Um you know, I, I think those are the kind of low magic scenarios that I would probably be more engaged in rather than a, uh, you know, knowing like the guy next to me or even myself are going to be, you know, the, the special guy. Okay. I mean, I, I can see, I can see where your points are is that you, you would have to worry about the group yeah, or more in a, in a chosen one scenario. Mm-hmm. But the other, the other thing I look at is, you know, in a lot of my games where I've run, you know, what I again my definition of low magic, where it's not commonly available, mm-hmm. is that you know, typical people will float to, uh, you know, even before the party gets started, um, a couple of my old groups would would form the Trinity first. Okay, who wants to play the tankish character? Who wants to play our healer? Who wants to play our mage? Mm-hmm. And then everybody filled in, you know, whatever tertiary roles there were after that. Yeah. Um, so, quick, quick aside. I think it's really interesting that our group doesn't really do that. Um, you know, we I've never seen any of us like try to you know check off the standard party checklist. Oh no, no, none of yeah. us do. And uh, I, don't know, I think that leads to kind of more interesting dynamics because uh, you know, uh, like we didn't have a healer at all, and when we ran Pathfinder, that you in your game, yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. Oh. We had the naked monk. I mean, not the naked monk. The naked. Oh, player. that's right. We did until he yes. until he backstabbed the party. I forgot about yes, that. Yes, yes. The, the, the naked cleric. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I, I I think that is something good for our group in mm-hmm. terms of like that's how we build. Um, but getting back to what I was saying on the topic was, I still think you can run a low magic game mm-hmm. where the whole. Again, this I guess this also means the power level is going to be interwoven. Is you you um, oh, hold on for that. What I was trying to say is that even in that you can have a low power game where magic is either slowly ramping or you know it's just not readily accessible and still have a very successful campaign. No, oh, I'm not. I, I've never. I've never tried to say you couldn't. It couldn't be done. I just think you were given just a cautionary tale. Yeah, I. I, I don't think it should be done in most cases. I don't. I don't know. I, I would have to disagree because I think just because you know you think most people shouldn't, it comes down to it comes down to the storyteller themselves. Like, not just I, the storyteller. It has to do with everybody at the table. Right. I. I think. 
I think you, I don't think you can say without a shadow of a doubt that you should never run low power. For you, yes. And as a player, yes, you don't like low power. We've had this discussion and over multiple different mm-hmm. things and scenarios. It's not your style, it's not your flavor. But no, and I think really all those conversations, we may have been using the words high and low magic, but what we really were talking about was high and low power. <laughs> I think we're going to get to that here in a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the last thing I was going to say in terms of high, high magic, and it's the one thing I feel high magic has a, again, it's going to get interwoven to the next discussion, is that I, I don't, I see, I advise against high, anything high magic. I advise against it just like you do with low magic. It's just what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all about personal preference, and I think really it's probably our experiences with various parties because one thing we've touched on is so much of the success of low or high power or low or high magic is all going to involve the players and the GM at the table. Yeah. And if you've had the bad experiences on one end versus the other, you're going to be biased in that direction. Agreed. Yeah. I, I cannot uh, – I will not argue that point. Yes, yes, yes. You never argue. <laughs> I do, but yes. the, when we both are in agreement, it's it, it's kind of frivolous to sit here and debate. Yeah, well, so. yeah. shut up. I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> um, no, 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 you shut up. I'm agreeing with you. Yes, yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> so anyway, so we'll just transition. We sh- we'll transition naturally and say, now we're going to talk about power level. Yeah. I think this is a topic you and I, I'm not saying we disagree with, but we both. Well, I think, I think we've already think- talked about it a lot at this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Over no, two I- hours put together already. Right, um, make it easy. We'll start at low. <laughs> low power level. Well, you know, I don't know if we really need to kind of go over it because it's the same thing we've gone over, you know. Exactly. It's literally <laughs> the same thing, you know. You're going to prefer low level and this makes more sense. You prefer low level because it's gritty and adds more danger and, you know, people have more to fear from a pack of wolves if they aren't wielding magical swords and armor, right? No, that's actually not it at all. But it's exactly uh, it. You, you well, said no, you no, want no, that I, gritty I, I, danger. I but I don't want to fear a pack of wolves. I want to fear a pack of kobolds. No. Yeah. Uh, with, no. With low power, yes, it is that feel of very gritty. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're you not going to run into – if you do run into, you know, a, I think I'm trying to think of a good CR monster off the top of my head. Don't it's, even try. They always change between yes, printings. <laughs> I know. But like if you run into – if you run into the scenario where, you know, you're, you're, you're diving into this tomb and you get mm-hmm. down to the end and they set off the trap that awakened three mummies – I want them to go, oh, crap. Yeah. This is going to suck. Mm-hmm. Or even when you start scaling, because I've ran a – I've gone into high-level campaigns, and I don't have a problem with them. But I feel that you you don't get that same feeling at high level. You are you are in that sense of the exalted punching rivers, mm-hmm. where I'm just throwing whatever I can – like you know, right. like, you want to thousand orcs at you. Exactly, and I'm that's what that scenario. Yeah, about the, yeah, I was about yeah. To say, three thousand eight hundred seventy-two orcs. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but with low magic, I do, I do think not low magic, low power. I think you do get a more gritty feel for the game, mm-hmm. and I think, I think even at mid level, you still. So uh, I guess, I guess before we need to backtrack. Uh, let's go. Oh, off let's backtrack. Of, <laughs> let's backtrack. Let's go off a of standard twenty. Okay. D twenties. We'll go off a standard twenty. Okay. I'm saying low level is one to seven, possibly eight. Mm -hmm. Mid is eight to probably about fourteen, fifteen, and high is sixteen plus. And I am not counting epic books because that's where 
It just that's a that's a different story altogether. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Like we're going off to kill a god today. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, so you know, I've been looking at the challenge rating system and everything else, and when you start dealing with um, challenge ratings, a a CL seven includes young dragons of various colors. Um, you know, and a worm, if you will. Yes. And once you pass CL 10, there's only a two or three, maybe five monsters in any given CL in the books. Right. So, you know, it's definitely scaled where at post, you know, uh, what is it like post level hmm, six or seven, you're going to have to start fighting, you know, um, mid-level dragons in order to have a challenging fight. Uh, just as a as a power scenario, um, you know, and once you hit level twelve or fifteen, you're going to be fighting full grown, you know, full grown dragons, full grown. Yes, you're going to be yeah. fighting some scary stuff, and the pool to and and I think one thing the problem is the pool to pull from in the books anyway from those power levels not really that big. Um, so you know, I could try to throw a an army of dire wombats against you, but you know that's probably the kind of stuff you've seen in high power games that you didn't like. Was part of the only way to get to those challenge levels that you really are trying to go for is to throw twenty or thirty uh, monsters at a group uh, and and watch the guy great cleave through half of them. Right. Um, you know, which let's face it, for the guy great cleaving, that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. Which yeah. I've, I've had the fun of that. I mean, I've mm-hmm. had the fun GMing it. I've had the fun playing in it. Like one of my favorite games, uh, like high power games. Yeah, I was a, I was like an 18th level wizard. We had pissed off some planar god, and all the archons had come down, and we're looking at this to- this torrent of archons coming at us, and. You know, all the players are like, this is the most epic thing ever. Mm-hmm. Let's destroy some archons. Yeah. Now, given that was really fun, but even after about like 20 minutes of combat, we're all sitting there like, okay, can we just end this? Can we? Yeah. Mean, we've, been, we've been fighting for hours <laughs> and I'm done. I, I really want to go get a pizza. Well, luckily, I Domino's actually, delivers. Yeah. It's like, I want to go get a pizza. I would like to go role play a different game. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and, and that goes back to a board game night. You know, rule no, you know the golden rule there. You got to keep it fun, right? Um, regardless of whether you're doing low, high, or whatever. If the people at the table aren't having fun, you're you're, you're doing it wrong, right? Generally speaking, uh, generally speaking. <laughs> uh, but you know, in talking about other things that throws challenges, you know, one of the few other ways of uh, throwing an an equi- uh, uh, appropriate challenge at the level or the characters of a medium to high level is to throw. PC leveled characters uh, against them as NPCs. Yep, I've done that. <laughs> yeah, um, well, you know, it's one of the only ways, especially once you start hitting level fifteen plus. Yeah, uh, you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to run across that other guy that can also catch me- meteor swarm, right? Um, in order to uh, in order to feel in- endangerment. And, you know, those are harder things to do. They take more prep uh, on the GM side. They take a, a stronger storyteller to pull off well. Um, but, you know, it's it's because, you know, let's face it, you have to have more high-minded motivations as a level 15 wizard than you do as a as a challenge level 3 goblin, right? right. Um, so, I don't know. I, I I do see where you're coming from, where you like the the sense of endangerment. I, I don't think those sense of endangerment has to be limited to high level. Um, and limited to low level? Yeah, limited to low level and low power. Right. 
Yeah. Heart. I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ah, sorry. Not enough sleep this month. Yes. Um, um, yeah. I mean, this month. I, mean, I, I get your point. I really do. Um, I think what it really comes down to, and I think our audience is probably sitting there going, guys, can you just shut up? Is that you're a big fan of the high power games. Like, well, and that's because, I mean, and that's because as a player, Mm-hmm. I find it more entertaining to be able to do stuff like Great Cleave and uh, work with, you know, Forces 3 magic compared to hoping I hit with my bow at level right. four, at level 2. You know, I mean, th- I, if I'm, if I'm going to be that inept at using a bow, I might as well go out in my backyard and shoot one, you know? Uh, in, but, real <laughs> in real life. <laughs> in real life. In real life. Yeah. But – you know, I, I guess you know I'm playing these things to do things I can't do, and if I'm trying to play uh, a pyromaniac wizard or you know some, you know somebody like that, but I'm only level one or two, I don't even know how to cast fireball yet. How can I be a pyromaniac, right? Uh, flint, flint and steel, buddy. Flint yeah, and, yeah. Lots of oil. Lots of oil. Yeah. So <laughs> I bathe the town in Greek fire. Hmm, that may have been a bad idea. Um, <laughs> Or was it genius? Yeah, I'll figure it out next time. What I was trying to get as I think we know we both come from two different schools of thought. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time that we combine these schools of thought. And it's time to give like cautionary like you were doing earlier. And I think yeah. that's a, I think that's a, good, a really good way to end on this thing. And I think we should end it on like going over each thing. We should each tell cautionary pieces if you are going to run X. So for me, I I will go with what I sh- should say would be tips and cautionary tales if you're going to run low power. So w- what I'm saying, Brian, is just trust me on this, is that as a GM for someone who prefers the low power, low magic, low level, mm-hmm. is some of the cautionary tales I have is, you know, you, you'll read things uh, from, you know, uh, adventure modules for higher level and you'll be like, oh, that'd be really cool to do these traps. Is that when you're when you're running the low level low power? Is you you can't just throw monsters and you can't have these epic dungeon crawls because nine times out of ten, your players aren't going to come out of it. One hundred percent honest, you dungeon crawl, your your party's going to die. Um, at least that's been my experience. So you need to start coming up with like really creative ways to encourage that thrill and that sense of endangerment, be it using traps be using PCs who can actually have good will saves, good fort saves, you know, mess with the PCs by maybe giving them one poison and having him be, that might be his detriment in the whole fight. The thing is you can't, the cautionary tales do not over overpower your players in a low power game. That's the biggest thing I can always say is that uh, I've run into it and I learned the hard way where I was like, oh, they'll be able to take on this and this and this. And come to find out, no, they died very quickly. So when you mean overpower, you're not talking about giving them too much power. You're talking about right. throwing too much against them. Correct. Okay, yeah, I got really confused there for a second. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> don't over, don't, don't overpower them in the sense of don't overwhelm them. Yes, overwhelm them. I should say yeah. overpower. My, my bad, listeners, overwhelm. Yeah. Don't overwhelm them because I think if you are going for that greedy feel, yeah, you want that sense of endangerment, and you want something where if. If the party goes, you know what, we're going balls to the wall, crushing through the front door, and we're just going to beat whoever's on the other side, and they crush through, and there's like a gang of, you know, scoundrels on the other side, Mm -hmm. they're going to die. (laughs) 
Yeah. And so I think you, you need to make sure that you don't overwhelm them, but at the same time, you you want to you want to give them that that caution. You want to make them stop and think about the whole scenario before they proceed forward. Yeah, and you know, I, I think as kind of a, a a corollary to that from my side of the fence, right? Yeah, as the player, yeah, yeah as. <laughs> <laughs> no, as the you know, as the guy who is gets stuck in those situations, you know, I think that led to uh, a lessening of my enjoyment in some games where I felt like my character is inept. You know, I can't consistently pull off skills, or I can't consistently do much of anything, and um, you know, no matter how hard I try, I can't accomplish what I would like to do with this character. I can't even try to work towards those goals because I'm not even strong enough to survive trying. Um, whether that's because I'm going to get killed by somebody because I'm trying to, you know, do something socially against them, or if I'm going to just put myself in a 99% death situation, right? Um, yeah, I, I've seen that kind of scenario play out too many times in low low power campaigns where I'm just not having as much fun as I could be because I I, I, I literally feel like my character is useless. That's up to the GM to make sure that they keep the like again. That's that overwhelming part I was talking about. Is that includes? I'm not talking just characters. I'm not talking, you know, uh, traps. I'm talking like even on like saving throws. If you say okay, everybody make the you know your reflex save. If you set that at 15 on a low level game, there's not going to be many people who can hit that. And if you make it something like 2d6 of damage, la 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 la, mm-hmm. it's not going to go well. So you always you have to at the same time balance everything out mm-hmm. as again to not overwhelm the players yeah and, and you know the kind of the you know problem with the uh the high level campaigns that we were hitting at earlier is that it's way too easy to give the players too much power and then they can overwhelm anything they get thrown against right. um you, you know what i think the uh the easiest way to avoid most of these pitfalls is learn how to be a good gm well, assuming uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, uh, listeners, uh, listeners, listeners, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, assuming the skill layers of the players are adequate, because let's face it, you can't teach that to some people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the easiest way is to probably play pretty close to the book, right? That, um, that's, you know, I was about to say is that if we were to transition to mid level, just read the books. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, well, and I think it's worth mentioning here because, like. For example, excuse materials. If you give it to everybody on a blanket thing where they don't even have to worry about the material cost of casting spells, it, the higher level those casters get, the more disproportionately powerful they're going to be. Um, the, you know, the, uh, the, 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 a part of the, say, the checks and balances against those high-level spells that are, oh my god, insanely powerful is because they take rare or expensive uh, materials to cast. You know, not everybody can afford to have a 10,000 gold point, uh, you know, uh, diamond available all the time. Mm-hmm. And if all of a sudden you don't have to worry about it as a as a as a flat out rule, the, the relative power of, of casting goes way up in the world. Right. Uh, you, you inadvertently create a disproportionate power by doing that. Um, similarly, um, you know, and that's just like one small example about how. A very simple rule change is you're like, this is a pain to keep track of. I don't want to keep track of it, you know, but you're trying to make it more fun, but you end up can just completely skewing the power base. All right. Maybe we should just retitle all these episodes to tips for how to be a GM. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, when I wrote the description for last week's episode, I said it's a it's a multi-part deconstruction on RPGs. There you go. And um, 
and, and really, I think that's what, what we're trying to do is we're deconstructing our thoughts. And I know my thoughts have kind of evolved and shaped as we've discussed it and hashed it out. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure next at the end, when I get done editing this episode, I'll be like, I need to talk about it more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, so what I was going to get back to is so um, the thing I was going to talk about, like the mid-level, which is what I consider, you know, the the standard, right? The the typical you you went to the store, you saw Pathfinder, your eyes lit up, you got mm-hmm. you got this sense of schoolboy or schoolgirl glee in your system, and you bought it, and you got some dice, and you get your friends together. That's the standard, right? Yeah. I think that is a very good thing if you are new to, to read and to understand and it gives you a good base or, you know, most of the typical fantasy novels, um, I would say that not exactly typical that are based around things like Pathfinder and D&D and things like that mm-hmm. are very, you know, mid-level minus a couple. Yeah. Um, and they give you they give you a good inspiration for that, and it, it does keep a good balance. So I, I would have no cautionary tales other than just follow the book. Yeah, and you know, mentally, that's there's a lot of rules, and it may not be the easiest thing to do. Uh, and some of those rules are annoying. Let's face it, having to keep track of how much back guano you have on you kind of annoying. Um, and weight, yeah, yeah. <laughs> keeping track of all your weight. That's annoying. Yeah, yeah uh, weight <laughs> is another one of those things. But you know, again, there is a definite check and balance in place there. Um, you know, uh, memorization of spells for wizard, another classic example of a rule many players hate. Um, <laughs> right. You know, and uh, although I, I have met the guys out there that love memorizing spells because they're like, no, it's so much strategy involved in figuring out which spells I'm going to need. Uh, and, you know, and that's a whole other game to some some people, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I, hold on. I got to say something real quick. I had a friend who, when he played a wizard, he actually went out and bought a leather journal. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Bought a nice leather journal. Mm -hmm. And that's how he kept track of his spells. And he treated it. And I'm not kidding. Great. He never jammed, but having him on the table was the best experience ever. Is he kept it like an actual journal for a wizard. So if I told him you found this and this component, he would then write up a thing where he's like, okay, so I tried this with this and I'm, I'm doing this thaumaturgy and all that. I was like, you know what? You learned that spell right then and there. It blew up in your face, but you still learned the spell. Yeah. 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 Take, take 2d6 and uh, congratulations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> GG, sir. GG. Yes. But, you know, that, I, I'm sorry. I had to, I had to bring that up. No, I, that's, I, that's I really cool. Like four or five times. That's yeah, really like, cool. People, I will say, yeah, it, it's a pain, but there are mm-hmm. some people Mm-hmm. totally love it <laughs> oh yeah no and and those you know if he's actually sitting there running like a story about how he's experimenting with the spells and something I that's the kind of extra extra mile that i think deserves an in-game reward mm-hmm. um you know more so than washing my car um although i really need my car washed um i, I need some extra xp <laughs> just letting you know now however you might want to get dave to wash it right. i'm just saying he could always use the xp yeah yeah those ones you know they keep they keep on coming they keep on coming, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's a lot of, you know, there is these things you have to these really annoying rules, weight, uh, materials, and yeah, you know, many with exception of weight, all these things revolve around magic casting, right? Um, oh, if and you the cost of magic items, like falling yeah. into a T. Yeah, I mean, oh God, well, and even that, I mean, so many of these things are so easily to explain away why they're different, right? But, you know, let's face it, none of us have uh, – okay, not none of us. Very few of us have the experience running game sessions or the playtesting potential that these large companies do. Um, 
you know, and that's part of the reason why, you know, like I ran across the guy and he was joking around. I was like, no, I, he's like, he's like, no, this happens because I write the rules. And it turns out he actually wrote the Pathfinder rulebook. Um, he wrote, he wrote the core book. He's like, yeah, okay, fair enough. That changes, you know, but, uh, I would say in, as a generalized statement, not a perfect one, but as a generalized statement, that guy probably has more, um, more experience and more of a, a point of reference for doing those kind of rule changes on the fly than, you know, anybody, uh, anybody I've ever gamed with, um, you know, but you're more, the more experience of the GM, more experience of player you are, um, you know, the more, you know, the, the more, the, the better it is to try to do those. Like, uh, the guy I gamed with back in college in, uh, third ed, he had a longstanding hatred of, uh, a spell memorization. And he replaced the entire uh, spell system um, as far as slots per day, that portion of it, with a, a homegrown one that he had developed over the course of years. That's and awesome. yeah, and it was it was it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I I it basically turned everybody into a quasi sorcerer, but the sorcerers basically got more. Uh, it was a mana based system, and the sorcerers basically got more mana uh, than the than the wizards did. But the wizards had a larger pool selection. Is how it is how it balanced out, but you know it was tuned and tweaked, and and even while we were playing, he tuned and tweaked it several times. I mean, yeah, well, that's the whole point of uh, playtesting, mm-hmm. and that's good. I mean, he continues to refine the product, which provides a better experience to all the players. Yeah, yeah, he he, he probably should have uh, written it up at least as a PDF and put it out there at some point. I, I don't think he ever did, but that's sad. Yes, uh, but you know, I really enjoyed playing under the system, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I, that that was when I played a wizard that was obsessed with learning every magic spell. You but, learn everything? No. Man, don't hate me because I'm smarter than you. Damn. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> back on the topic, now that my intelligence has been insulted. No, no, that was um, my character talking. I was uh-huh. just the same character. Yeah, oh. okay. Mm-hmm. 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 Anyway, um, so, you know, uh, I, I got a little tongue-tied there. Sorry. Um Okay, so my my big thing with, you know, going into high-powered, and I kind of want to, like, get back onto what we were talking about with, you know, with all the power levels, is with high-powered, I always feel overwhelmed as a player. And it, I guess for me, it's mostly combat. Mm-hmm. I feel combat takes forever at high level. Oh, it can. Oh, it absolutely can. Uh, I don't like that. For me, it, it gets me out of the moment. It gets me out of... Mm-hmm. It lose it loses me. So I guess my cautionary piece for that is find a way to make to streamline your combat more. Yeah. If it's you know encourage your players that they are on a six second timer, and if they don't have a move, then they don't do anything. Or make it to where all the monsters move at once. Or you know find a way. Or you know the wizard cast fireball, even though it shouldn't kill half the army, maybe it does. <laughs> you know, find ways to speed up because I think you, well, and I think that's where you lose a lot of players. I, well, for, I, at least for me, as a yeah, player, yeah. And I, I think I think the preface to all that is know your players because I've played with some groups where combat was more than half the fight. You know, and that and that was the way people at the table liked it. You know, and so if you spent three out of a five hour session in combat, maybe not all in the same combat, but in combat, that was a good session in these guys. Um, and I'd been on the other side of the table where people, you know, if, if they spent more than 20 minutes out of a five hour session in combat, it was too much. Uh, so you, you know your players as a storyteller to figure out if they prefer 
you know, which side of the fence they fall on, if they want kind of a, a split, you know, how they want it split up, because that's that's the most important thing. And kind of tying all this back together, at the end of the day, you know, we're all ta- we're all talking about having fun. And the reason we're cautioning either side of this is because you really have to, you know, A, know your players and, and give them the right kind of story for them, right? And the second right. side of it is if you keep it close together and you keep it a, a, a balanced game, I think that's what turns it, you know, is a good game. You know, it makes it fun if it's balanced and it's competitive and there is a sense of danger, but there's not a sense of helplessness, right? You have to find that that pivot point where they level out. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't disagree. Yeah. No, take it's take a true. shot. <laughs> nope. No, no, it, it, no, but it's very true. I think that's a that's a whole other topic that I would really love to delve into. Is you know not this your, episode, yeah, not this episode, <laughs> knowing your players. Mm-hmm. But I, I have to agree that's the only way to do it. And I think that's how we're, I think that's the best way to wrap up this. Yeah, is to say, no matter if you're doing low magic, high magic, low power, high power. Yeah. If if you don't understand how it's going to affect your players and how the players will react to it, then you really have to sit down and look at everything as you're doing it and make sure that everybody at your table has fun. Make sure it fits your style of GMing. You know, if, if it's your first time going at it, like when I did my first high, high powered game, I really just followed an example out of high, like of modules written, you know, by what TSR was around. Mm Mm-hmm. And that gave me ideas. You know, if that's it, follow that template if it's your first time. But if it's not, you know, look and make sure that's how your players want to do it. Make sure you've, you that's the kind of campaign your players want. And at the end of the day, just make sure everybody's having fun. Yeah, absolutely. Because if, if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. I think that's a new tagline of Epic Turn. If you're not having fun, if you're not having fun, you're going to have a bad time. Oh, okay. Now that's just obvious. Uh, I know. know. Timmy, you're trying too hard. I am. I'm sorry. And that's a title. No. (laughs) You're trying too hard. Dot, dot, dot. I'm sorry. Timmy, you're trying too hard. Dot, dot, dot. I'm yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that, I think this really, you know, honestly, no, it, it kind of, it kind of pulls it all together. Yep. It kind of pulls it all know, together. It does. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Was, oh, yeah. No, it's just saying storyteller, know thyself, know your players and have fun. There you go. Yep. Boom. There's our, there is Epic Turns words of advice. No, God, no one listen to us, please. <laughs> for the love of God. So I, I, I want to take a quick, a quick moment to talk about what's coming next. Oh no! Yes, uh, yeah, we, we got no. <laughs> yeah, a we don't really know, but it's uh, not true. We do know. Don't lie to our listeners. Okay, I, I have no idea. Tim apparently knows. Well, I, I am the I am the guy who kind of never mind. Yeah, just anyway. just go. No, so you know we we just got our, our giant cool stuff order in today, um, which you know I'm excited about. I have the entirety of Cutthroat Caverns uh, sitting in my car because I forgot to take it out of the front seat. Um, you know, but uh, I'm really excited that we have all these great games. You know, we we have uh, tons of games still from um, Gen Con, tons of games we saw at Gen Con that we now have in our possession. So I think sometime in the next couple of weeks we're going to be doing a review of one of these games. Most likely. Um, uh, if, if anyone has any ideas out of all the games they've heard us mention that you would like to hear us review, 
please send us a note on Twitter, Facebook, uh, via via the website. There's an email web form. Um, we do read these, by the way. We're not kidding. Oh, God, no. Yeah, we, we, we hang on to every word. Anyway, uh, but yeah, no, agreed. Uh, some of the some of the things now that Brian has admitted that he doesn't know what's going on. Um, a couple <laughs> things uh, in the pipe um, is yes, a game review. We're gonna do another one just like how we did uh, Gravwell. I think we're gonna clean up the format a little bit. I'm excited. Yes, you know I'm gonna pick uh, candy bars as our uh, our review system. No, so we, are, uh, <laughs> we are not we are not reviewing Candyland. <laughs> no, we won't. But. Uh, we have a review coming up. Uh, I'm working closely with a couple publishers mm-hmm. to have some of their people on the show. Um, yep. I can't name names yet because the deals are still being worked out. But I will give uh, I will give some hints because that's what I. Well, I think we've been given hints by everyone we mentioned in the past episode. <laughs> so uh, we, no, we can leave no. it. We can leave it there, man. We can leave it there. Okay, we can yeah, walk we'll away. Leave it there. Yeah. We'll leave it there. Um, I'm also preparing a new kind of in the same vein as how we did the uh, top 10 commandments or sorry, the 10 commandments of board game night. I'm actually mm-hmm. preparing a new list. Um, I got two of them. Brian and I are kind of, you know, going back and forth at them while we're yeah. while we sit around and chit chat out, yeah. out off off topic, off show. Uh, so we're working on that. So yeah. we're gonna, we're, and and I would I would also I would also encourage anyone who finds or has an idea for one of these, you know, top lists that they would like to hear us deconstruct, like we did the last one. Mm-hmm. Let us know. You know, we're 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 hungry for ideas. We're starving, in fact. I wouldn't say starving, but we we probably could put on a few pounds. Yes. yes. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Timmy. <laughs> Um, but no, seriously, we have some great things coming down the pipe, guys. We're really excited. Um, we hope we didn't bore you with these two episodes. Please, yeah. you know, don't mm-hmm. hate us for them. But, you know, if you do hate them, let us know why. And next time, if if we ever decide to do this kind of episode again, we're going to try to do it better. Clean it up. Clean it up. <laughs> Clean it up. Dust it off. Redo it. We'll, we'll just we, – we will redo these same two episodes every six months until we get it right. No. <laughs> put my foot down sorry no guys uh with that being said you know thanks for listening to another episode of epic turn you can find our show notes at epicturn.com forward slash episodes forward slash 11 no 12 mm. yeah this is this is number 12 number 12 or- the 12 days of epic oh sorry anyway uh you oh know- my god dude really <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. Follow- so, so where where do they find those show notes again? <laughs> EpicTurn.com forward slash episodes forward slash twelve. You know, you can follow us on Twitter at EpicTurn. Uh, Brian can be found found at Kelton. I can be found found at Telshin. Wow, I can't say the word found tonight. <laughs> and if you like the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And until then, have some epic turns, guys. Bye. Oh, bye. Oh, and thank you to the, like the seven people who have rated us on Epic Turn. Even the guy who gave us the one star. <laughs> we'll take it. Good night. Hmm. Oh, sorry. What? God, man, I am just this this project, dude. It's. I think it's literally going to kill me. I'll, I'll have a good eulogy written. Uh, then I'm really like I'm before and after things. Oh, dude, <laughs> eulogy is going to be amazing. Amazingly bad. Yeah, I knew Brian. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. He was a I, guy. We think. <laughs> we were that the verdict is still out on that. Yes. I'm just saying. I have talked to a couple people. 
the verdict is still out on this, but he was a thing, mm. an enigma. That might be the most truthful thing you said so far. <laughs> 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 so come on, let's get a show on the roll.